Add your maze tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryant, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, as always, Alex French. And this is Rich French, the French who just won his NCAA tournament bracket challenge and is a cool $200 richer. All right. And we are covering episode 10, who, what, where, when to go of season two of Haven. How do you like the title? Well, I think it should be who, what, where, when to go. Uh, as usual, we like to do a summary of the episode right before we begin, just in case you haven't watched it recently or forgot some stuff. Uh, I'll try to keep it real quick. All right. So in this episode begins with a trucker, you know, in his in his truck, just uh, hanging out, listening to radio. And he's checking out a waitress outside the truck stop like diner. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden, a uh, kid, teenage kid comes running out of there, bumps the waitress. And then uh, soon after that, a man comes out with, uh, you know, who looks like he might be related to this killer and the truck driver notices that and gets his gun and he follows him back to a shed where he hears growling noises. He goes in the shed. Boom. He's suddenly thrown out, you know, knocked, knocked on his ass. Yeah. So Audrey, Nathan, Dwight come to investigate. Uh, they find uh, Audrey's kind of hardcore because she just broke up with Chris drinking tons of coffee. Dwight's, you know, intimidating the guy, telling him it was a bear. Don't worry about it. Uh, we don't think it's a bear. And they find a wristband that says forever in the woods, right? Correct. They find a wristband in the woods and then they go to talk to the kid. They figure out who the kid was, right? And they go to talk to his dad. Well, uh, yeah, they talk to the trucker who has a sketch artist show him a picture of a, of a got killer. He said, yep, that's the guy I saw. They find out from the waitress that uh, the kid is uh, Rory Campbell and his dad's on the way. Right. So they meet up with the dad and he's like, uh, I'm going to find my son. We need more people. They want to keep it quiet because they think this is trouble related. Uh, so they just call Dave and Vince to help them with Dwight, right, to go find the kid. And the dad's like, well, I'm coming with. I used to be, was he a Marine? Ex-Marine, right. Ex-Marine. So I'm going to track him, blah, 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 blah. So the, the group goes in the forest to look for Rory. Right. They split up into teams. Uh, Vince and Dwight are searching the woods. And then you have uh, Audrey and dad are searching the woods. And that's when Audrey finds the the killer speared to the tree by like a long branch with a big gaping hole. So it looks like he'd been eaten by something. Yeah. So the hunt for Rory continues. But then Nathan is uh, confronted by a, a unfriendly gun in his face. Correct? Exactly. Because earlier, Audrey... Uh, did I say Audrey? <clears throat> <laughs> That's right. Earlier, because Audrey had called Duke and asked him to come help. But freaking Duke's like, nah, no, thank you. And uh, next thing you know, Nathan finds Duke there with his shotgun aimed at him at, with the Rev and a couple of the wrenches henchmen. Right. Uh, and uh, the Rev is like, hey, we're looking for this kid. Don't stop us. We're not going to stop. Uh, they almost all shoot each other. Audrey convinces them not to. And Dad Marine is like, yeah, I want them to kind of help. And Audrey's like, oh, fuck. Uh, they see Rory kind of running off in the woods, freaking out and shit. And uh, one of the hunters is like, I got bit. And then uh, we kind of transition to night, right, as they're 
looking exactly around right they, they, they determined that it, whatever's out there is plural there's more than one and uh, and, and david they, voiced his fears that this was a when uh when to go earlier yeah it's yeah. like all right shut up but so yeah yeah, Dave goes through, kind of breaks down the whole Algonquin, Algonquin tribe legend of the, the Wendigo yeah. and uh, and uh, all of that. So that's what might be out there. Right. That's what we're thinking. So that night at the when they're camping, kind of wait, you know, waiting to hear more as they go to hunt on later. Uh, Duke comes over to the fire to talk to Audrey and Audrey's fucking pissed. Like, who are you to talk to me? Like, I can't believe you're working with the Rev and Duke's like, I'm not working with him. I'm trying to get information from him about my dad. Like, of course I don't like the Rev. And she's like, you don't know what you're doing. Like you idiot. Uh, and he's basically they're you know, they're at odd, you know, they're not, they're at each other's throats. They're not cool with it. Right. I think they kind of come to an understanding near the end of the conversation, yeah. but you know, kind of not really, but it's uh, more like, uh, yeah, it's more like peace. I feel like they're not actually, cool with it but it's like let's just we're not gonna argue about this yeah yeah they, they, they kind of make their peace that's exactly how i observed it when i saw it uh and then in the woods nathan nathan finds uh how's that oh yeah nathan you know steps in some blood finds and finds uh, a girl with blood all over her mouth right uh yeah first he, he finds frankie benton and uh and then as he's talking to her, she she asks if he's Nathan Warnos, and then uh, Sophie comes up, and Sophie's got blood all around her mouth, and it's but it's from a deer, right? And then Audrey comes up, Nathan grabs her so she won't scream. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll talk yes. about that. We will uh, talk about that. <laughs> uh, grabs her so she won't scream, and introduces her to the girls. They reveal, you know, hey, it's us. We're trying to eat animals, not humans. But our sister, our third sister's with Rory. Da da da. We need your help, right? exactly so so they yeah they are like let's go, we'll go find the third sister in the morning in rory but tonight you know we need to kind of hang out right like and stay safe exactly so uh next uh while they're hunting in the next morning duke has his big conversation with the rev where the rev tells him he can uh, you know he can succeed where his father failed in saving haven right and uh there and so as the rev is kind of like hell yeah looks like i'm gonna get what i want he gets fucking knocked in the back of the head by rory and kidnapped to be fed to what's the third sister's name amelia she's the middle one right he's gonna feed he's gonna feed the rev to her uh for her wendigo curse uh meanwhile dwight's taken the youngest uh sister sophie he's like i'm gonna get her out of here because she's feeling kind of sick because she needs more meat so he's trying to get her out of here when he steps into a bear trap uh he offers himself up to be eaten but she's like no you're gonna save me so he musters the strength to pull the bear trap uh stake out of the ground and escape and get her to safety much like a wwe superstar probably could yeah if he didn't have a neck injury uh and then so we see the rev tied up to the tree uh amelia is you know thinking of cutting his throat and eating him but she's like cuts the ropes and she's like no nah, i can't you got it i'm gonna let you go and he's like okay cool i'm gonna kill you though and she's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I saved you, though. He's like, nah, you can't control yourself. So he's uh, Audrey and everybody kind of shows up. The other sisters try to save her. Rev's going to fucking gut her. And Audrey, you know, she shoots, takes him down. <laughs> Chest explodes. Rev falls dead. Right. And then afterwards, 
we have Nathan, you know, he, Nathan's talking with uh, Dwight, Dwight's going to take the kids, you know, take care of the kids and then get his leg looked at. Dave and Vince are talking to Nathan. Nathan wants to know where the kids, girls are being taken. They try to to pull their usual shit of like, you don't want to know. And Nathan's like, no, I do want to know. I want to know the answer to every question I fucking ask you guys. Exactly. And then uh, and it turns out they're doing a, a slaughterhouse uh, work live uh, type thing till the troubles are over and then which is pretty cool. And then they freaking uh, it pans over to Audrey. Duke comes over and then they get, in, you know, kind of like basically a, another another yeah. spat. Why'd you shoot the Reb? I was going to get the answer. He was finally going to give me the answers. And Audrey's like, I had to save a girl. Uh, you would you do the same thing? And Duke's like, I don't know. I don't know if I would. And she's like, well, then fuck you, basically. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we're at war. It's time you got to choose a side, basically. So that's pretty much the episode. And then Audrey and Nathan, you know, she walks over to Nathan. And they stand very dramatically as Melissa Etheridge plays them out. Into the dark? Is that what the song? What was the song? Yeah, it is Into the Dark. Uh, so, someone had Melissa Etheridge's first album. I think I might <laughs> still have it. I might still. Next to right said Fred. All right, what did you think of the episode? Oh, okay. This episode ha- <laughs> This episode has some flaws, which I'll, you know, talk about later. But I did like the episode overall. I mean, this one was light on humor. Very, very yeah. little humor. Uh, I'm trying to think really if there was much what was humor. And, you know, maybe the not even the breakup talk at the beginning. So, but uh, but I think the serious tone worked for the story they were telling. They maybe, really the, just, maybe the trucker checking out the girl at the beginning was comedic. Uh, <laughs> just in how weird it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an observation about that too. And uh, that was, uh, but, you know, they really established the war between the troubled and, uh, you know, so-called regular citizens was on now. I mean, I also like how they had Nathan show. He didn't want to be kept in the dark about things related to the troubled. Now that, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's getting his hands dirty and getting involved. I like the acting of most of the key players, uh, you know, especially McCaddy, which we'll talk about more. Even most of the child actors I thought were pretty good, though Rory sucked. But um, Yeah, Rory was... Uh, he was bad. horrible, horrible. <laughs> so, I mean, based on all of that, I give it a seven on the French meter. That's what I was thinking, a seven. I thought it was good. Uh, once again, we got some like kind of weird... I got some weird stuff that... I, I got some, There's, I think, some writing structural issues I have with it but generally everything that happens i'm cool with except the amount of rope it took to tie the rev (laughs) uh this one had a commentary so we were able to get a little bit of insider info on it not too much the commentary didn't have too much interesting stuff no no i mean about the only like really uh, interesting thing well i think you had mentioned it was that uh mark who was uh, the henchman that got bit by the by the Wendigos, they, they had a storyline where he was going to become become infected and become a Wendigo and then come back out in the woods and add that element, which I thought would have been really, really cool. I just don't know if they, you know, they just, I don't think they had time for it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you if you thought it would be better with, uh, if the Wendigo curse was like transmittable, would that make the story better? I think so. I, I yeah. do think that, I, I do think it would have made it better. I mean, I understand, you know, they only got 42 minutes to, to work with, but yeah. that would have been cool. Maybe cut out some of the some of the unnecessary <laughs> conversations. Yeah, I think yeah. if it's 42 minutes, that would have been too much for 42 minutes. Uh, if they had like a two-parter maybe, uh, then I think it would have been, it could have been a pretty badass two-parter if they had like this Wendigo virus, especially if one of the main characters could get turned, you know, 
if like we had an end of you know the cliffhanger being like i don't know maybe i feel like yeah, maybe if like duke's getting turned into one or nathan's getting turned into one that'd be pretty cool or maybe dave or vince or what what about what if since uh, the myth of the, the Wendigo, what if uh, troubled? If you're already troubled, you can't get the curse. That's but what only I was wondering. The, the non-cursed could get it. The non-troubled could get it. That I was would like, be... oh yeah, can Nathan? I was like, would Nathan get it? Because he already has a trouble. Uh... Nathan be like, shit, seriously? What? What? You know, <laughs> I couldn't even feel her bite me. Okay, uh, one one thing uh, we we got some king references right out right out of the way with this. I mean, right at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, oh, I mean, who are they? So first one, um, I'm going to two part this. So uh, the, the first part on the radials, they talk about uh, lobsterite. Uh, I heard lobster. I was like lobster rolls. And I think I was thinking of that. So I didn't hear what they were saying, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was like, uh, it, here's, uh, here's how you can uh, view the lobsterite. And oh, okay. So that was not it. too closely. Is how you no. can view one. <laughs> no, you can ask Roland about uh, what happens. You get too close to a lobsterite. Yeah. yeah. You might have to learn how to shoot with a different hand. So that one's a Dark Tower reference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what do you think about uh, a truck stop called Dixie Boy in Maine? <laughs> Dixie Boy? Yeah. Uh, wasn't there something when we were doing our Grey Gull menus? Didn't Wasn't there Dix, Dixie? Oh, I think I'm thinking of Whoopi. Yeah. Whoopi Pies. Well, I feel like, so I feel like it. What is it? What is it? Is this a reference? when I when I first saw saw it, I'm like Dixie Boy in the middle of fucking Maine. Who would call a truck stop Dixie Boy? But then, and I'm surprised, uh, John Jonathan Abrahams didn't mention this. Dixie Boy truck stop was the truck stop in Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, and I was like shocked he didn't mention that. But this this makes clear that Jonathan Abrahams really likes Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, because he wrote Sparks and Recreation, right? Right. Oh wait, wait, wait. but Sparks and Recreation was was Maximum that the, Overdrive. Was it the yeah. Maximum Overdrive episode? I can't remember if it was that or the electricity one. I think uh, Sparks and Recreation. No, no, was, Love Machine. Love Machine yeah. is the yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking so horrible he, name. Jeez. So he wrote. Uh, yeah, he wrote the electricity one. Uh, Sparks and Recreation. That was episode four. Uh, Love Machine was episode three. It's yeah. clear Matt McGinnis loves. Uh, yeah, I guess Matt McGinnis is the one who loves uh, uh, Maximum Overdrive. But it's cool they paid homage to him twice in one thing. Yeah. yeah. How many how many shows are going <laughs> to reference Maximum Overdrive twice? Uh, not, none should probably, but you know, <laughs> I love King, so I, I'll allow it. But. Well, and then how, that whole AM radio news bit, you know, geez, you just described a killer and he immediately comes right out yeah. of the convenience store. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Time. We're like a rose tattoo on his forearm. And it's like they're saying it, it like zooms in on the rose tattoo on the second guy's arm. And I was like, wow, very convenient. What is going on here? Yeah, very convenient writing. Uh, and then yeah, I think you admit we mentioned the truck driver. Dude, did he have to be that creepy? Yeah, like, no, your break's not over yet. Come on. Come on, run your fingers through your hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I wouldn't mind if it was, like, plot relevant, but, like, one, one, okay, okay. So this is going to kind of, I'm going to balloon this into a bigger pro, bigger topic I wanted to talk okay. about with the episode. But, uh, and it's mentioned in the commentary, so I think we're still in the field of what we're talking about. That whole scene is just kind of weird because it's, like, the truck driver's involved, fair enough. 
but the like uh waitress i don't know i feel like we're focusing on this waitress but she has no relevance to anything and then the serial killer comes out but the serial killer also is completely forgotten once he dies no one gives a fuck like who were like so were the people that were murdered was that really him or was that the wendigo you know because i thought when i was initially hearing i was like oh you know we think this is a serial killer, but I bet these people that are turning up are actually going to be from the Wendigo. And now, and then you meet the little girls and you're like, no, they're kind of yeah, innocent. Frankie said she would never let them eat them. And uh, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious, you know, Amelia's first kill is, uh, you know, the serial killer. Right. So. Like the whole moral conundrum is should she eat the rev right at the end, which clearly indicates she doesn't eat people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sophie hasn't yet. Uh, so, you're, I was like, oh, is this – so then, you know, when I was watching with the commentary, I couldn't tell if, like – I was like, yeah, this none of this connects. I don't know why. Like, I thought maybe what would be better with the waitress is if it was the oldest sister would have turned out to be that character or something like that. Or his girlfriend – or uh, Amelia – was it Am- – Amelia's the middle one? Yeah, uh, Amelia's the What's middle the one. What's the oldest one's name? Frankie. Frankie, that's right, that's right. Like the waitress should have been Frankie uh, or like maybe maybe Amelia or something like that. Like probably not Amelia, but it's kind of like what's going on here? Like why was he in the diner with the serial killer and get ch- got chased out? Was that ever answered really? Yeah, no, it, it wasn't. But, it you know, <laughs> I mean, it kind of comes across as, you know, it was a ruse to, to lure him out there for Amelia. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. you know, so Rory went in there and did something like I don't know what he did. Uh, he was like, so he figured out this serial yeah, how, killer. How did, but how did it, Rory hear it unless he was in there? In the truck stop, and they were playing the news over that because well, I'm, I'm so maybe sorry, it wasn't like, the first. It wasn't the first. It probably wasn't the first broadcast of that information. Maybe Rory heard that the day before, earlier in the day. But it still stands the question: How does he not only you know heard this, but then found the guy and then perfectly goaded him into chasing him blatantly like that? And yeah, it already had a plan. Yeah, because I mean, that was completely premeditated. Because <laughs> uh, Amelia's in the shed waiting for you know, right. you know and this Rose guy. Tattoo. This guy who, if that information's been out for that long, this dude with this rose tattoo is hanging out in a very public place like the diner. With that prominent tattoo displayed? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of just like, what is going on here at the beginning? It almost feels like it was a different story or something because the the bigger topic I wanted to take this into is the fact that the girls don't appear until like over halfway through the episode. And I think that's so bizarre. I was like... I was like, wait, did I miss something? Like, and I was like, this doesn't, I was like, is this related to the waitress? Cause it was like, at the time you hadn't seen Amelia yet. So you're like, I know there's a third sister. Is it that like waitress the truck driver was looking at? But no, it's just the first time you're seeing these characters in the forest at night. And you're like, who are these people? Like, they're not even, I know you don't always need a suspect, but it was just like, there was no, there was no mention of shit. You know, there's no mention of anything like this. So it's like, what was your connective? To, what was the connective threads to know the, the, about these sisters? Because what Amelia is the only one we know, you know, Rory, you know, the Forever Band, uh, you right. know, wristband, like possibly. But the rest of it is kind of like I was like, what the fuck? The story's kind of coming out of nowhere in the second half. I know. Did you feel the same way? You know, I, I took it. You know, I mean, just from the title, we got Wendigo right in the title. So that means there's a Wendigo involved. And like I said, Dave goes through the myth very, very oh, well. I don't and, I don't I don't have a problem with the with the Wendigo at all. Like, that's not my problem. My problem is that the girls 
have no, there's nothing. They're not in the first half of the episode. Like you're, you're running around the forest looking for the Wendigo. I mean, like, who yeah. is it? what is it? What is it? And then they just appear and it's like, here's the whole story. And you're like, where have they been this whole time? I, like, there's no mention. Like, I would have no, I, it just, it's to me, that's like, uh, like a story should have threads going throughout, right? Stuff from the beginning that helps the end. But this one, you, you could cut it. We could cut it from the campfire scene. And we really don't need to know anything from before the campfire scene, honestly. Well, I mean, uh, well, things that are being, uh, you know, information that's being put out there. It's, it's a lot of information about the existing characters that they go through, you know, and you could debate how much of it is good, you know, necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it establishes that Dwight lost a daughter who would have been nine years old yesterday. But you know, the information we get when he's carrying her to the bear trap would also tell us basically, obviously not the age, but all that also tells us everything we need to know about that. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, my daughter, you know, uh, you know, she loved ballerina stuff like yeah. emphasis on past tense. So, you know, not the case anymore. So, you know, something went down and at the end you see the photos and stuff. So I think, so sorry to cut you off, but I think the writer just didn't do a good job of connecting the first half and second half. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. But since, since we mentioned it, what do you think about Dwight seeing the image of his daughter Lizzie in the woods in her ball, her ballerina outfit? Um, I don't know. I I didn't dislike it or anything. I just was like, wait, are we doing like nightmares? Like, does yeah. it, like I mean, what was it? A necessary? visual hallucination? Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> was it necessary after Vince and him discussing it already established <laughs> everything? You really didn't need to see it. And then by doing so, though, you opened up this very annoying inconsistency because when at the end of the episode and he pulls down his visor and to get his keys and he <laughs> sees pictures of uh, of Lizzie, it's not the same girl yeah. it, that was in the woods. It doesn't look like the same girl. Not uh, even close. <laughs> but once she's dark haired brunette, this girl looks like light blonde. <laughs> they don't even look alike. I mean, I mean, couldn't you? Uh, I think showing. I mean, the visual hallucination is just kind of inconsistent because it's. Does Dwight always see? You know, his daughter, you know, is that like happen? Because then I was like, well, maybe this happens. Maybe this is something going forward that I don't remember that he sees her around and stuff like that. So if it if it if it's something that happens again, then I'm fine with it. If it doesn't happen again, it's just kind of weird. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> it, it, it was unnecessary. I mean, because I, I, I'd start worrying about Dwight's, you know, mental health, you know, if he's seeing images of his now, unless it was like a haunting, you know, type thing. Yeah. Not, or other people saw stuff like that uh, would be another yeah. thing, right? But yeah, like someone like, like a, a person's trouble, the, the ability to have people see things, images that. Or yeah, or I wouldn't have like a problem if like he was seeing or hearing like a memory, you know what I mean? He like sees, you know, this like I don't know, this river or whatever, this particular tree, and then you know, hears something she said, you know, in his mind or something, or like you know, you see it, but it's clearly a memory, right? Would yeah, it's a flashback. Yeah. But this makes it really like <laughs> seem like yeah. a nightmare or something where it's like, Oh, Lizzie? And you're like, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. is it when to go make people have delusions? I was like, I don't or, remember that being a part of it. Or did Dwight, by chance, find a mushroom out yeah. there and <laughs> ate a mushroom in the woods? That's a yeah. possible. I mean, you know, maybe, they, maybe, you know, maybe Vince snuck him something to get the truth out of him. Vince is yeah, really aggressive about it, right? Yeah, and he's, he's very concerned about uh, him being out there, you know, with his uh, being a bullet catcher. I mean, he's like, well, I'm just here to help him. He's like, no, you're not. I was like, Jesus, Vince. I don't know why you're giving him, like... 
like giving him bad cop routine right now. Vince has just like got a switch that flips. You know what I mean? Like he's Mr. Nice Guy until he's like gets I, I, maybe a little too much where you're like, whoa, like it's, you're going it's, 10. It, 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 it's <laughs> super extreme. Like, cause you're right. It's like, boom, he's on it. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I enjoy kind of, I enjoy kind of tough Vince, but you know, but that was a little, yeah. Cause with, uh, well, Nathan's dad, right. Uh, Max, it seemed appropriate. Cause you were like, oh yeah, hell yeah. Like, you know, you get hard with this guy or sometimes he gets a little rough with Dave where he's like, hey, Dave, shut the fuck up. You know, we're going to do this. Uh, but, but here I was kind of like, I don't think you needed to get that hard with Dwight. Yeah. I mean, cause he's trying to, he's trying to help. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's one of the more important characters in the story too, just slightly, you know, kind of below, you know, the main three. Yeah. He's got like a, a, a nice B plot going on, right? Like of rescue the girl. All right. He was probably, probably the C or D plot, but you know what I mean? Right. No. Well, and then while we're uh, we're talking about you know the, 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 those early scenes, hey, how the heck did uh, you know when they're interviewing the truck driver? How the hell did they have a sketch already? Of him, <laughs> you know, I thought Haven didn't have a sketch artist, and Vince wasn't there, so they probably got one in the past year. They're like, we've uh, the amount of sketches we've needed to do lately is uh, <laughs> skyrocketed, so we need to hire a person. That was one of the things Nathan did when he got in. Uh, Got in the chair, you know, the chief chair. He was like, we need a sketch artist immediately because I can never find Vince to get a sketch when we need it. You know, I also liked how everybody basically just blew Nathan off and like, yeah, fuck you. I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, does anyone listen to Nathan? He's the fucking police chief. Well, is he? Because he I know he got like deposed or whatever the proper term would be here uh, for a while. It doesn't I don't know. Is he back to being chief or is he still kind of he, in 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 limbo at the moment? Because now he with the is. Rev dead, I could see him, you know, taking back the the chief throne. I, I he is <laughs> in the next episode, so folks, I you know, I, which makes me assume he's in that role in this episode, but maybe not. Like you said, it's not definitive, you know, by any stretch. I like to think he's in a kind of it's going to happen, guys, but it's not quite official yet that I'm back as chief, and they're like, all right, well, fuck him, like we're just going to do what we want. And they're used to having a Warnos in charge, but uh. <laughs> yeah, the second there's not a Warnos in charge, it just all hell breaks loose. But I, I really like Dwight's story though. Uh, through this episode, is probably maybe maybe my favorite part of the episode was Dwight's stuff. Uh, I mean, my, uh, my my one hang up, oh, well, the hallucination is kind of odd. Like I said, if it happens more <laughs> yeah. moving forward, I have no problem with it. But at the the way they did it was a little little strange. Um. Do you think he could pull out a stake for the bear trap like that? Well, you you know I listen to the commentary as well. <laughs> and uh I, I mean I would have assumed that, you know, dude, at that time Adam Copeland, you know, no dubbed WWE superstar edge, I thought would be easily be able to rip that spike out. But then, dude, no. I mean, have you tried to pull stakes like that out of the ground? It's fucking uh, hard, man. I, I had to do it for work. Yeah, I, I have never had to, uh, you, know, you know, go bear hunting. So I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't setting up bear traps at work, but I had okay. to. I had to put in pretty big stakes into the ground. So I would imagine if you're setting up a bear trap for a fucking bear, which how much do bears weigh? How much? Do, well, we'd have to do a lot more research than we're willing to do. But how much? What type of bears are up in that area in Maine, and how much do those bears weigh? Right. Uh, are you talking about the ones with leather jackets and big beards? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about the the football players. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure you'd like to set up some bear traps and 
as a soldier field at soldier field for the Chicago bears, obviously uh, Packers most hated rival. Um, but yeah, the, I would imagine the stake that you'd put in would have to be pretty intense. And I know ones I've used for stuff are pretty intense. And the only way I could get them out was I had to use a fucking sledgehammer and hit them from side to side. Like you have to hit them from the side. So it starts moving to loosen the ground around it. And that's how you get it out. Yeah. I've, I have put up, I did put up tents in my army career, oh, like yeah, big so tents. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've, I have done it. It's just been many moons since I've worried about <laughs> it because I don't do a lot of camping, as you know. Uh, people always ask me, well, oh, you don't like to go camping? I was like, uh, I went to combat. I did the real <laughs> camping. Why do I want to do it again? No, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, nine months of it or whatever. Uh, or how, six months? How long were you? Yeah, a little over six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I don't know. I just can't imagine. So, you know, like st- bigger stakes. I don't know. That's not a humongous stake he pulled out, but to hold a bear, you know, it would have to, I feel like it'd be pretty intense because you just right. rip it out like that in the position where he can't get much leverage from that. You know, he's sitting down. I don't know if you have the leverage to pull it out just right. straight out. So I would imagine, but, yeah, in real life, of course, Edge would have a hard time pulling it out because it's a fucking stake in the dirt. Like it's actually not well, easy. Well, and then that's what the, they were like. Uh, well, hey, uh, we we thought Edge would be able to pull it out because he's like the strongest man in the world, and I'm like, he's he's pretty strong, but I don't know if I'm going to throw out, you know, that. But <laughs> yeah. I, you know, but yeah, I I was uh, I found it interesting, but I could see it. Yeah, I don't know. I I I, <laughs> I was like, maybe he should like disassemble the bear trap. You know, he's like a fixer. Like, do like you know figure out you know like a pin or you know what i mean like get something and like you know loosen it up or something instead of like but i also get the trying to save a child raw strength you know right. just uh, emotionally is more uh powerful yeah but i i, I would just think that after uh dwight uh He's a fucking electrician engineer. Well, yeah, I figured at a, at a minimum he'd, he'd have a, a Leatherman on him, right? You know, the right, multi tool yeah. Leatherman, and yeah. that he would start trying to, you know. Yeah, there's no way a guy like that would walk around without a multi tool. Like, no yeah, so way. He would have his pull out his multi tool and try to, like, you know, remove yeah. it with that. But, but no, he went. He's went, eat my arm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, or in his like crossbow. I mean, like, does he have arrows or something? I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, he would have some clever way to do it. But like I said, trying to save a child, you know, it draws comparisons to the, you know, the like lifting a car, right? Like, you know, the, the you know, the mother lifting a car to save her child or something in the, you know, the freak adrenaline burst of strength. So maybe, you know, I've now convinced myself he had a freak uh, burst of adrenaline that gave him inhuman strength. Don't, wouldn't they have run into more bear traps while they were out there? I mean... Maybe they were avoiding them. You know, we weren't seeing it. You know, you, you know, you don't see Han Solo taking a piss on the Millennium Falcon, right? Because no, you don't need you, to. So maybe you know they. You, know, you they don't see anyone. Uh, maybe their universe. They don't. They they don't have to piss, or you know, they, they don't have any excrement. They're just, right. Uh, I mean, it's right. You don't see the Batmobile getting gassed up, et cetera, et cetera. Right. They just avoided the bear traps, whatever. I, I just I wouldn't mind just seeing the Millennium Falcon's bathroom. <laughs> that it was there i wouldn't you know i definitely didn't want to see anyone in the process but yeah, it's you know. probably it's probably disgusting uh but you know what i think you're right though actually or i will uh say that they probably could have done a nice plant and payoff they easily could have you know at one point when the group is walking through someone just say hey 
watch out there's bear traps around and then boom when it hits you're like oh fuck they told us to look out for the bear traps and he wasn't paying attention you know that i should have instead of i didn't see that coming it's uh i should have seen that coming right is like the the feeling you want the audience to have yeah just because i mean dude they do a bunch of running blindly in the woods (laughs) you know and then he's walking fairly carefully you know he does have he's focused on the little girl and especially when he's you know, possibly thinking about his daughter, yeah. uh, Lizzie, as well. So I get how he could step into it, but it's just uh, the way everyone else is running so willy-nilly through the woods. You would think <laughs> someone else might, you know. Now, and it would have made sense, like you said, if they planted the seed. Right, earlier. just one line of dialogue of like, look out, there's bear traps around here. You know, if Dave or Vince or somebody's saying that, then you'd be like, or the Marine dad, you'd be like, you like, oh, and so later when he's walking and you hear the clink, you're like, oh, fuck, like, I should have known there was going to be a bear trap. Or someone will be like, I bet he's going to walk into a bear trap, which I think always makes the audience go like, oh, I knew it, you know, which makes them feel smarter, which I think has, is more effective than I didn't see that coming, which doesn't really leave you with as much uh, except, impact. Except when we're the audience, when we know we're not smarter. So. <laughs> um, well, like I said, it's important to make us feel smarter, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know where a bear trap would have been very inconvenient if it was placed is when Nathan grabbed Audrey from behind. Imagine if when he was pulling her down, he just sat into a bear trap. Oh, my God. It would yes. have further made you see how uh, how weird was that? Or like, I was like, who's grabbing her? I was like, the only person around here would be Nathan. I was like, but that doesn't make any sense that he would grab her like that. And then when it was him, I was like, oh, it is him. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? He's yeah, like, hey, uh, here's the girls. Yeah, I mean... That was when I saw that, I was like, that's just they're going for like pure shock value with one of the old cheapest things. Like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this this was on fucking necessary. He could have just he could have just put the safe thing would have been like, hey, Audrey, kind of whisper it, you know, or just a hand on the shoulder. Right. And or or like, a hand on the shoulder know, gently. Like, right. Obviously, but, you can't yell fuck on TV, but, you know, being like, ah, you know, and then you're like, oh, shit. And then, oh, it's Nathan. But yeah, him grabbing her. And like taking her down, wrestling yeah. <laughs> her to the ground, <laughs> getting someone's blood or sorry, deer, getting deer blood all over her face and mouth for no reason. Yeah, it's Audrey's like, reaching for her rape whistle. I mean, <laughs> it was very, and he's like, Oh, yeah, here are the girls. It's not like the Rev is about to shoot someone in the head, you know, and he's about to get you, or the Wendigo is loose, you know, eating people around here. Like, it, you know what I mean? This isn't like a werewolf movie, you know, where the wolf is like, or, you know, where the monster's stalking around and he's got to be like, shut the fuck up. Shut the- I can't even risk you saying anything. Like what would happen if she was like, Nathan, you know, when she saw him, like it was yeah. almost as loud, right? Her being like, mm, you know, and them falling down. Yeah, exactly. Like- <laughs> it was, it, I, I thought it was fucking completely ridiculous. It must've been to set up her having blood on her face for that line of the little girl of Sophie mentioning that she has blood on her face. Because uh, the writer said in the commentary that they they loved that line, which it, it was funny, but I don't know if that necessitated, you know, for the gag to do that for the gag. Otherwise, I can't really see the motivation for making that the whole uh, sequence. Oh, and uh, I mean, while we're at it, the only thing probably more ridiculous from the, the from the behind takedown with the bloody hand <laughs> might be. Uh, the Benton girls, superhuman speed effects. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? It, it, it looked like you, they press fast forward on an old PCR. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, or, or the end of Benny Hill episodes. 
So, I mean, so when they were in the commentary, he was mentioning, and we've talked about this before, is how many days they typically take to shoot an episode. So it's typically five to six is what they mention. Uh, and we heard that before on the trial of Audrey Parker commentary that usually they do some episodes in five days. Uh, I, uh, I work on a TV show uh, with a pretty big budget and the budget. And because of that, we are able to do episodes across sometimes as long as two weeks. We can sometimes, sometimes 10 to 12 days for an episode. Uh, not, not most of them, most of them, you know, it's not that many, but a lot of the time it takes usually like two weeks to shoot an episode. So it kind of tells you where Haven's at on budget that, you know, because time equals money, you know, right. you know, on stuff like this, it tells you how much less, how little money they actually have. And we find out that they fuck some stuff up, right. That necessitated more time spent like the blood. They didn't put blood on the girl's face <laughs> and mm. shot it and then realized later and had to be like, Oh fuck, we got to reshoot that. Right. Which, oh man, as a producer, as an assistant director, of the AD, the first AD would be fucking pissed. You can bet somebody was getting who I don't know if anyone got fired, but people were there was some stern arguments happening. Some, sure. some some chewing out being done. Oh uh, yeah. Well, because they also forgot with the ropes, right? They thought they framed uh when the rev was tied up to the tree, they thought that the the way they framed the you know from the camera point of view that you wouldn't be able to see lower uh, than the first set of ropes, but then they saw it and they're like, oh, the Rev would easily be able to break out of these ropes. So they uh, used computer special effects to create another set of ropes. So half of those ropes, for anyone who hasn't heard the commentary and is watching, half of those ropes on the Rev are uh, digitally inserted afterwards. Well, that's probably why the Rev remained so calm, because he knew he could break out at any time. Yeah. And then... Joking, uh, joking, obviously. <laughs> well, if he had the, the attack minivan... It could come and shoot like a well, well, well. It only shot Bibles, right, or something like that. Well, no, it also had a mounted, uh, had like a mounted Gatling gun, or yeah, yeah, that's M, right, or that's an right. M M sixty something like Rambo. <laughs> yeah, and the Rev's just carrying it, right? Yeah, no he's gloves. just carrying it one hand, you know, no yeah. shirt on, <laughs> you know, bandoliers across the chest. <laughs> I'm uh, coming for you. So, yeah. Also, those ropes on the Rev were extremely clean <laughs> yes they were i was like wow did he does like did rory buy this rope maybe at, maybe at the truck stop truck stop he stole them he stole them from the old dixie boy there we go so we found because we, i was like where did he get did he find these at that shack i was like if you found rope out in the forest it's probably not that clean looking but i like that he bought that at a uh, dixie boy uh, i'm gonna go with he shoplifted them yeah oh yeah yeah okay sure he shoplifted he's a teen he doesn't have much money He's been buying gifts. He spent all the money on the wristband, right? The forever band. Well, that's how much his his tween love. Well, I, they, they weren't tween. They were teens because uh, his dad's like, he was almost a valedictorian. So I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like seniors? I mean, yeah, I yeah. I'm like, or they graduated from high school? Yeah, that's what I mean. The dad was just kind of annoying in general. I mean. And it's he's also dropped like half, like, you know what I mean? Once we kind of meet up with the Rev and the dad approves of the Rev, the dad's just kind of like, you know, has one more line of the end, like Rory, what the hell or some shit like that. And that's pretty much, I feel like well, the dad doesn't really say much more, right? A little bit, but like, uh, and this kind of something that kind of annoyed me about this episode where I thought it was very, you know, so uh, Nathan and Audrey, you know, first they're walking along by, by the lake or whatever there. 
Uh huh. Yeah. You know, and when and that's where they have the whole squirrel thing, where he's like, uh, you know, you hear two squirrels, um, you know, ch- you know, chatting. That's them having a conversation. You hear one squirrel, yeah. he's afraid, and you know. <laughs> and I looked that up, and that for the most part is true. About you know, squirrels mm. have their own language, and they have their own sounds they make. And I should know because I've got a particularly ballsy squirrel in my backyard. You know, I, I looked up Moose Hunter magazine. I couldn't find it. I, I don't think that exists. But. Yeah. I mean, he's probably hanging out at home with, uh, you know, he's hanging out at home, drinking a Haven Pale Ale, reading, uh, what was it, Moose Hunter? Moose Hunter Magazine. Moose yeah. Hunter Monthly. Yeah, so I couldn't find one. But uh, nonetheless, so they're there talking, and all of a sudden, Roy bursts out of the woods. But immediately as he burst out, his dad's there. Where did he come from? <laughs> he, there, there are quite a few times in this damn episode where – you know, people come on the scene at the exact perfect moment. Yeah. Like, it's just, no, no. Once again, I get, I get it's, you know, episode timing, but I mean, dude, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm well, not really sure what that scene's trying to achieve either. Right. Like what was the point of us seeing Rory really just that they're in the woods there. Well, and that's where he, uh, he tells them, he tells his dad, he killed uh, the killer. Because oh, he was going right. to kill him, yeah, and, and then and then he, and then he runs. And yeah, see, I would have just cut that scene because also an important part of that scene was that the hunter being like, "Oh, I got fucking bit," and uh, that ultimately that plot line, as we talked about, got cut. So I I I personally would have just cut that scene entirely because the you're still under the assumption that Rory, or you're only suspect because you're not introduced to the girls yet. Really, your main assumption would be like, well, I guess. It's leading us to believe Rory killed the serial killer. Obviously, you know, we have in the back of our mind, we're like, yeah, I don't think it's him, though, because it's too obvious. Yeah. But right. that's what you're thinking. So I don't really understand why that scene even like exists. Right. right. The, be- the uh, you know, uh, hey, any scene that Rory's in that can be cut, I'm all for. <laughs> and because, uh, yeah, we don't meet the Benton sisters uh, till later that night. So um, like yeah, you said, Nathan. it wasn't really an, a necessary scene. And, uh, and I just don't understand. Yeah, I mean, especially once you figure out that there are Wendigos, it's it's got to be completely obvious what Rory's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, what did you think of Audrey, the big scene? Well, well, let's talk about it. What did you think about Audrey's uh, the death of the Rev? So the first thing regarding this is uh, when Audrey and the Rev have that conversation, and he's like, uh, he's like, we're gonna do it my way this time, you know. <laughs> Well, you could get people killed. The right people killed. <laughs> He's like, uh, we're gonna wipe them out. At that moment, I'm yeah. like, okay, the Rev doesn't make it out of this episode. This is where he dies. I thought oh, that really? was. I I didn't even pick that up because I I, yeah, I didn't pick I, that up. I, I I as soon as I I heard that the first time I saw it, I'm like, yep, this is where Rev dies. Okay, <laughs> yep. Well, because he no- kind of says shit like that all the time where he's like, there's going to be a reckoning, you know, all the time. I, I guess never so blatantly as like, we're going to exterminate these people. <laughs> yeah, as he's holding a, a you know, a rifle. So with a, with a smile on his face, too. He's kind of <laughs> exactly. like, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to fucking massacre. Like, who's up for genocide? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so th- th- that's that's when I when when I knew. And then kind of my other thing was, I'm assuming her handgun is a nine millimeter. 
Dude, and... that what the, the blast in his chest? Yeah, that, that was uh, <laughs> that, that was a question I had I prepared for you. I was like, do you think Andre's handgun would have done such damage so quickly? We can move like a desert eagle or something, right? Cause, like, because <laughs> yeah, it looks like a nine, and uh, I mean that blood that blood pattern is like from side to <laughs> yeah. side. I mean, he's kind of makes it look like he's like covering up like a gaping wound in his chest. Yeah, with his yeah, <laughs> it looks like a shotgun or like a rifle, you know, like a rifle got him or something. Uh, yeah, so I, I was just, I was like, wow, that's, you know, I, I, I mean, and, and I knew it was going to be Audrey because the conversation. Oh, I, I didn't. I actually, I fucked up. I, I guess I wasn't really thinking about it, but I was like, maybe I thought it was going to be Duke, who I thought in that moment was going to be like, I don't want to kill him, but I can't let him kill the girl. So I thought that was going to be the source of dramas, him being pissed, being like, ah, oh, like, you know, like. I, I think I, that, I think that would be better. Uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I yeah, think, the, I, I think the Audrey one makes the most logical sense and it puts Audrey and Duke, you know, butting heads, right. And keeps mm -hmm. them, uh, confrontational and antagonistic, which I think it equals more drama over time. And we can find out more about that. Could characters. potentially lead to Duke choosing the other side of the war than Audrey and Nathan's. Right. Exactly. So I, I think for drama's sake and for, you know, and drama, you know, is what propels story and reveals character, et cetera. I think it does make more sense. And they did the setup for Audrey. I just misread the situation. Cause then later when Duke's like, I don't know if I would have shot him. I was like, this guy's kind of crazy. Like this guy's saying he doesn't know if he'd save a little girl. I don't know if, how much I love the Duke heel turn here. Yeah. I, I, I don't like, I, I thought that was a little too far. I, I yeah. just don't, I don't I, think Duke would ever allow someone to kill a kid in front of him. I just, oh, I, I think what would have been the better solution is him not to say anything at all. Um, I think he, you know, uh, give her a look or something, you know? Yeah. 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 Give like a dark look, but not, you know, so it's not like a, you know, cause later you can also walk that back of him. You know, that doesn't mean he would let a kid be killed. It just means he's not necessarily playing Audrey's game. You know what I mean? Like, like Audrey being like, well, why don't you answer my like moral question and him being like, I'm not going to fucking like the, the point isn't what you want. The point is like that you fucked up my like plan. Uh, so I think the, to me, the better solution would have been to have him not say anything, but uh, the, I don't know answer. I was like, Whoa, like, I don't, I don't. And I can't tell if it's just that I like Duke. So I don't want him to say bad things because, you know, we know he's willing to do some crazy shit. He was going to fucking blow that guy's head off with a shotgun. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Rain man in his partner. Yeah. That was, he put uh, the shotgun right up to their faces and pulled, and the, pulled trigger. the trigger. <laughs> yeah. So he was ready to take a head off. Uh, so they do have like they have given us context and evidence that Duke is pretty hardcore. Uh, but but they, we haven't actually gotten to see the execution of it. Like we haven't actually gotten to see him like cold execute someone or something yet. So I think if we had gotten to see like if one of the guys who like if he had found the guy who shot Evie and fucking, you know, executed him in the forest, like you were the guy who pulled the trigger, then I'd be more likely to believe this edge that Duke has. Not to well, and the thing edge. It, and he's and he's been somewhat sympathetic to the troubled, you know, in right, some of the episodes. Right. So I mean, yeah, I just I just didn't yeah, I, I didn't I didn't particularly like that. I didn't think that was that was written well. I mean oh, I think they just didn't do the groundwork necessary yet, like to pull that that off. I don't think it's inherently itself bad, but I don't I think either pull back a little bit more or they should have put more invent you know what I mean? They're they're playing the they're trying to play the line so hard. Uh, like wishy-washy with Duke. Um, like they're afraid to commit one way or the other, right? Right now. And I think that's kind of the point of the character's race. He's straddling the line where it's like Duke and Audrey have made their 
allegiance more known. They've yeah. already made the decisions and Duke hasn't. I get that. Did you think this was a good time for the Rev to die? You're reading my question. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you the same thing. And I, I mean, we're at episode 10. You know, we only got two more left for the season since 13 is really just a purely self-contained Christmas episode. Yeah. You know, it's just a heads up for uh, for everyone listening. So, you know, really the season ends after ep- episode 12. So there's only two more to go. My thing is, you know, and by the way, McCaddy was excellent. I thought he, I thought, oh, yeah. he, I thought he was was really good. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the being super calm, well, like you got a Wendigo right there, but you know, but yeah, hey, I, you know, I buy it. But he's since it's the rev, fucking, he's got ice in his veins, man. He does have ice water in his veins. So I, I mean, McCaddy, and I agree with uh, Abraham's and Abraham's and. Uh, the, uh, the producer, you know, McCaddy really does the eyes. I mean, that look on his face yeah. when he's shot. I mean, while the bolt, yeah. like the, the blood splatter may be ridiculous, uh, the look in his eyes is awesome as he fall as he falls forward, and he's he's just great. Uh, boy, but that's taken out a big key piece with two episodes left, and uh, I'm okay with it because it really, like I said, it really sets the war. Sets the two sides, you know, now it's engaged, but they got to replace them with someone else, right? You know, you got to have a villain. Yes. And if you are watching the episode for the first time uh, and you do the commentary before you finish the season, I know it's a very rare set of circumstances right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but if you do, there there is a spoiler warning uh, for the finale in, of season two in this episode's commentary. They talk a little bit about the aftermaths of the murder of the rev uh by audrey but i was gonna say that i i at first i was like what the fuck like i i was like i don't know killing him like right two episodes before we're done shouldn't he like get to the finale but after listening to the commentary they explain you know like you know it's a little cavalier to kill him now but the after effects in the war you know this sparks a war right killing a figurehead Mm -hmm. you know is what makes things ignite like this and causes you know people to be like, hey, whoa, he killed the you know she killed the rev. Now we actually got to do something. So I think it, it made more sense when I heard that they won me over. Where at first I was like, and I, and once again I think that's an emotional attachment of being like, oh, I love the rev. What the fuck, you know? I don't want him to be dead yet. So like, let's get some more. But I think they're right. I think it makes sense for the story. Unless we get to the end and I'm like, no, that was the wrong decision. <laughs> but yeah. right now I think it was the right decision. No, and, and and I agree with you. Like I said, it, it bums me out that we lose McCaddy's character, but I think it works for what they're what they're trying to do with setting the war in motion. And uh, you know, and it depends how they execute these last two episodes. Right. Unlike uh, the uh, the former coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, when they <laughs> first were founded, uh, I think that was the year they went Owen. They went like Owen sixteen or Owen whatever. And they asked Coach McKay, they said, Coach McKay, what do you think about the execution of your team? And he said, I'm all for it. Audrey shooting the Rev. Um, she, at the end, is talking to Duke, right? Since we're still on this topic. Right. And she's like, "They're gonna. there's going to be an investigation. They're going to be wondering why I didn't shoot him in the leg. Or Nathan's like, also, I'm assuming you're trying to shoot him in the shoulder. And she's like, uh. <laughs> yeah. basically like, uh, no. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. Not really. So, I mean, so what is standard police procedure? Is it 
don't you are for shooting don't you aim for center mass basically uh when you're when you're shooting yeah that yeah. was like like you, you don't know, that's what they taught me in the army in marksmanship right know. so i think that's like when you're taught marksmanship you're not taught to like aim for like limbs and stuff or like you're taught to aim for center mass the most likely place to stop them no yeah that's you know th this is in the case of uh police enforcement you know so they might have a technique where they're say but it sure the heck seems like they don't shoot a lot of people in the leg or shoulder in the real world either so yeah i did like how duke asks her when she says that to him he's like good question why didn't you shoot him in the shoulder yeah uh, yeah, so I don't think police officers are trained to shoot people in the legs or arms or like to wound when you are willing to when you have to open fire on someone. It's to take them down. Right. So it's center mass. Right. And that's, you know, if you're aiming for fucking legs or arms and stuff, they can move those. You know what I mean? You can easily move a leg or an arm to avoid, you know, to like just, you know, by mistake or whatever, miss the, you know, the, the shot will miss. Whereas. You can't move your torso. <laughs> right. I can move. You can't like twist your torso at an angle to avoid it. It's still going to hit you um, and stop you. So I don't think, I, I, you know, I couldn't imagine the police boards like, why didn't you aim for his foot? They're going to, you know, I mean, well, they're probably going to turn out to be in the rest pocket or something. So they'll be like, all right, you killed the figurehead of our like movement, but that's a whole different problem. I don't think they're going to, you know, be like, why didn't you aim to, to, to wound? Why, why didn't you try to shoot the knife out of his hand like a marksman would, you know, in the old West? Right. So like and then an article I was reading where they're like uh, shooting to wound is a Hollywood like notion. That's not at all like a police procedure or anything. It's uh, if you're going to shoot someone, it's you're doing it to stop them. But shooting, you know, should be a last resort. Right. I mean, I don't think Audrey's taser would have reached him, and uh, I didn't think she had it with Maybe her. Maybe she should have thrown the gun at him, you know? Or a shoe. <laughs> or a shoe. Or has she taken Edge's crossbow? That he uses at the Renaissance Fair, where they call him Sasquatch? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. That was a good one. That, 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 that was, was the funny movie. moment. There was the that, funny that, that is, like, the probably the one of the – I think that might be the only funny moment, really, in the episode. <laughs> I don't know. There was a smile on my face when Rev was dying. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Callous bastard. Well, you're not a bastard. You know who I am. And also the Rev's a pretty bad dude. He was talking like... Uh, well, and that's the thing, like you said about her shooting. He, he was prepared. He was going to kill her. There was no doubt he was killing her. I mean, he even said, he, he kills, it's, it's not about you. It's about the, the lives <laughs> you'll take if I let you go. He says it. He's killing her. That's It's not like he's scaring her. He's, I'm going to wound her. He's going to kill her. So. Right. And it's also like... You know, if these the police board of Maine or whoever she the police union <laughs> that she has to talk to, she can't be like, you know, what are the, what's the defense of him going to be like, well, he was really killing a Wendigo, you know, that that's not going to fly saying that shit. And they falsify all their reports to exclude the trouble. So it's not like anyone's going to buy that. They're just going to see the report of the and multiple witnesses saying the Rev had a knife and was going to stab a like teenager to death. Well, I thought it quashed everything when Nathan said she was following procedures and prevented a murder. So it was a clean kill and a story. <laughs> and then uh, and then Audrey's like, well, I'm going to be investigated. I was like, well, one who like who's going to investigate you like. Right. Yeah. Where is the internal affairs division in, in Haven? Is it more than one person who does it part time? <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, Lorraine, Lorraine does internal affairs as well. Laverne. 
Oh, I was talking about this lady Lorraine you haven't met yet <laughs> and uh, will not come up in the show. <laughs> so Laverne, I met Laverne. Laverne. <laughs> yeah. And like police investigate, do their own like internal investigations, right? So who's and people, I don't know. And un- unless obviously, unless obviously the Rev's own people, you know, that he's got in his pocket, formerly his pocket, are going to, then they're going to get her no matter what, if she did it properly or not. It doesn't really matter because she killed their like figurehead. Yeah, you would think those selectmen, you know, who were in his pocket in the Rev's uh, in the Rev's pulpit would be. Uh, I thought that was pretty uh, clever play on words. No, okay. So, <laughs> but right there, there's those selectmen. So you, you would. I'm sort of wondering: is there going to be problems down the road because of that? Yeah, you know? she's going to get kicked off the force, et cetera, et cetera. Hand in your yeah. badge and gun, you know. What well, I think they. I think they should at least discipline her for when Rory's running around the woods and everyone's chasing Rory for not figuring it out. Obviously that Rory's trying to lead them away from Amelia. (laughs) I mean, Ray Charles could have seen that. Yeah. Just the random screaming in the forest. Yeah. 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 Speaking of Rory, uh, we have, uh, we've referenced, we've talked about this a couple of times. So we'll see if people, if people caught it, Rory and his uh, his Juliet, his teenage love, uh, is named Amelia. These share the names of, at the time, the two companions of the Doctor in Doctor Who. This was series five, six, and part one of series seven. They were the companions with Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor. But yeah. she, went, she went by Amy, but her full name was Amelia. I think the Doctor would call her Amelia sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. right. So... Now, was that intentional, you think? <laughs> well, uh, we heard in the commentary the truth was that uh, one of them – who was the other person in the commentary after? Uh, it was one of the – was it Milliken? Maybe. Anyway, the other producer that was uh, in the commentary was like, oh, these names are uh, – this is Amy and Rory from Doctor Who. And the writer was like, oh, I've never seen Doctor Who. So clearly not an intentional reference, but – uh, we'll take the unintentional reference to Doctor Who. Anytime we can work Doctor Who into an episode, you know, uh, bit players like Joe Campbell, you know, anytime we can work things like that. In very inorganic, to. very inorganic. It was inorganic, you know. <laughs> oh, to finish off the rev, I did love the line where uh, that one of his followers comes running up and he's like, you killed the rev. And. Audrey's like, he was going to kill this little girl. And he's like, who cares about her? He's a she's, man of God. Like, <laughs> well, he says, yeah, he's like, who cares about her? She's a monster and he's a man of God. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty over the top. I was like, OK, uh, wow. <laughs> he's a man of God. I was like, yeah. uh, what about, you know, the scandals in the Catholic Church? Is it OK because they're men of God? Don't Nothing think bad so. ever happens to kids, uh, you know, with with uh, priests. Yeah, I was like, so I, yeah, think I'm done with it. I don't think uh, we're you like. I don't think we're okay with that excuse. Yeah, like, hey, buddy, have you ever gone back through history and read about some of the popes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that was that, that was a little o- over the top. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I could have I could have done could have done without the the Twilight like teen romance shit with the Roaring Amelia. I, 
Yeah. It's okay. I like it in theory. I think I like it on paper. It's just the acting. You know, it's hard with teen actors, right? Like, especially yeah. uh, day player, you know, like some small roles like that rather than like talented teen actors that are going to obviously, you know, that obviously grow up usually. And in, in a lot of the time, teens in TV shows are played by like 24 year olds and shit, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I was just <laughs> the guy who played Cyborg in Justice League. Uh, who's like huh. an 18 year old in the movie was 30 at the time of filming. So <laughs> I was like, because I was watching him, he's in True Detective season three. And he's, uh, did you see season three of True Detective? I started it, but did not finish it. So okay. I, I need to. He's Mahershal Ali's son in it. And you see him in the first episode and stuff, but he has a, himself has like kids. And he's like a grown man detective himself with kids and a wife and stuff. And I was like, this is the same year this came out. He's playing an 18-year-old in Justice League. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so often the casting, you know, is way older. Well, and, uh, you know, I thought actually the, the girls all did a good job. I, I, I thought Amelia did all right for what she was, you know, asked to do. I mean, I thought Frankie was good and little Sophie was cute. And- yeah, I would say I think Frankie, and, Frankie was the best. Sophie was good you know relative to you know it's an actress her age has to do on tv and then i thought amelia was the weakest of the three well of the three but yeah i mean she's not in rory territory i don't know her kind of like dramatic heaving as she's holding the knife of like oh i can't do it was a bit uh was a bit uh a high school theater for me but once again you know it's it's a tough it's tough to find like actually because they look like well at least she looked like an actual teenager I don't know what their ages were, but her and Rory seemed like they were of the age group they were supposed to be. Uh, so I, yeah, I they were teenagers. Uh, Sophie was probably a tween, and uh, Frankie looks like she was probably you know year out of high school, maybe. I would say she's probably early twenties in real, like the actress as well. I act- guess. You know, and and uh, they'd mentioned that in the commentary, how, you know, they got lucky being able to find three, uh, gr- three young actresses who could semi look like they're actually sisters. Yeah, and they I, did. I, I thought that was plausible. Actually. Yeah, I, I I definitely wasn't like that. What You know, it wasn't like Edge's uh, daughters. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that bothered it, it, it just it, that's lazy to me. I, I, I did like I didn't consciously notice it, but I did when I saw in the photos, I was like, oh. Uh, it's a little different than I was than what I remembered, but I didn't really think anything of it until you oh. mentioned it. Or I was like, "Oh yeah, those were different girls, huh?" Now that I think about it, believe me, I paused <laughs> and when I, when I rewatched the you know when I watched the commentary, I was like, "Okay, I'm stopping, and I'm committing to memory what this little girl's face looks like," <laughs> because I caught it when I watched it myself, and then uh, and then sure enough, when I you know, then when I paused it during uh, you know watching the commentary, yeah, and I see the pictures, I'm like, absolutely not. There is no way <laughs> in hell that is the same girl. Different hair color. I mean, come on. Speaking of Wendigos, this is a very, a very common use in TV shows like this, right? Is the Wendigo uh, myth? We've seen it in a bunch of TV shows. One we mention all the time is Supernatural. Uh, this is a very early episode in Supernatural, from what I remember. Dean was eating M&Ms when he was trying to tell people he was a, a he said he was a like a mountain ranger in his leather jacket and like boots yeah. eating M&Ms. <laughs> and of course, because, the real hikers are like, no, you're not. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, all they have is, you know, the leather jacket outfit or a suit. I mean, there's, there's only two. <laughs> Other shows are they use it are Charmed, uh, Blood Ties, Grim, Hannibal. And uh, you watch Teen Wolf, don't you? 
I started it. I got through a season and uh, Did, I, was I, the one to go in that season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it might be in season two, but I got into season two, but I do recall it actually. Mm, okay. Yeah. It, so we've seen a couple a staple. of shows. It's yeah. a staple of these types of shows, like supernatural shows, you know? And I thought it was really cool. Like I said, Dave really explained the legend of the uh, Wendigo very well. It's also, according to the legend, it's in that area of the country where they're talking about. Like, and Maine. also Maine, Nova Scotia. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it happens to also be around where I'm from in Wisconsin and the, the Great Lakes states. So and in the uh, Canadian parts by the Great Lakes. So it's pretty cool. I don't know. There's a Bigfoot sighting in every state in the country, though. I don't know. I don't know if we're kind of the Wisconsin one. He, he gets <laughs> around. Yeah. <laughs> or there's multiple Wendigos, right? Exactly. Well, and that's what it is. It was actually a spirit that, you know, according to the myth, the spirit possesses the human, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, European settlers are the ones who started adding like the antlers and horns to the myth based upon their culture. Because I, I bet they brought it over. I bet they brought it over. Oh, it's. Uh, oh, no, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> They were like, here's another gift, natives. And here we go. Um, here's a blanket and here's a here's a myth. <laughs> no, no, here's an angry spirit to possess you guys. Oh, yeah. I thought myself, I thought it was a really big get to get Melissa Etheridge. Oh yeah. Is it I, I mean, I feel like I don't know Melissa Etheridge songs, just like the sound where I'm like, oh, this sounds like it could be a Melissa Etheridge song. So when they said it in the commentary, I was like, right. oh, I thought this was like like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, like these types of songs are like Sinatra songs, like even though it's a bunch of them are not Sinatra songs. Right. But it's just the sound of like the way his that era of music. Yeah. But uh, I, I knew it was Melissa Etheridge first time I heard it. But then and I like Melissa Etheridge. And um, oh, once I was a big fan, I got the first album, the one with just, Come to My Window. You're and, just trying to tie this into your Melissa Etheridge podcast, aren't you? To at, at cross advertise. <laughs> Starting in four weeks, look for Into the Dark. <laughs> The podcast dedicated to all things Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, just I, I just saw it. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't at her hugest at this point. I mean, I think her biggest, you know, and I'm pretty sure she's won Grammys. So I, you know, I'm just I was impressed for Haven getting, you know, you know, a pretty, pretty big uh, star there. And yeah, uh, getting Ellie Goulding earlier in the season. They're, they're getting some big polls here. So that's what it, what it is. They're not spending the money on the special effects for superhuman <laughs> speed. It's on the songs. <laughs> well, and, they and, they said there was a connection between her and or that Scott Shepard, the producer, recommended the song. So I wonder if it's like a Sean Pillar and uh, what was that singer's name? His ex-wife, Lindsay Price. Lindsay Price. Yeah. The connection between Pillar and Lindsay Price. I wonder if there's Scott Shepard has like the connect with Melissa Etheridge is at least her. Uh, like producers this or the the record label right maybe he's got like a yeah i was gonna say it wasn't gonna be the same relationship as no i'm not sure he's like hey melissa what's up can i get a song for free like can i use into the dark like cool thing on the cheap no i'm but i wonder if he has like a connect or maybe yeah i was gonna say he's not he wasn't ever married to her no i i yeah i i know uh but maybe he's got a friendship with the record label or a pre-existing deal. That's how they get some songs is with that particular. Oh, right. I mean, he, he could have, like you said, relationships with a producer, you know, and, you know, maybe pillar introduces them people cause he was in those circles. He owned the label for a while. So, you know, a lot of things. Cause you know, that whole group seems pretty tight pillar, Segan, Ernst Dunn and uh, 
All right, so we got a little special segment here at the end of our episode. Now that we're kind of done talking about who, what, where, when to go. Just kidding, there's no H in when to go. But we're going to talk about, I in the episode, Audrey Parker's Day Off, we saw a Twitter handle on the back. What was the Twitter handle again? Follow Vince at Haven. Yeah. You'll be glad you did. Does it say that? Does it say you'll be glad you did? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember that part, but yeah. So we mentioned that we saw it there and that uh, I talked about that there was like a kind of Twitter story going on. And I talked about ARGs and blah, 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 blah. So like I said, I was going to look into it. Uh, we have found out about this Twitter story that is teased in that. It actually wasn't the first appearance. I think we missed where it was first mentioned. Mm-hmm. We did. It, it was uh, it, it's like called, two, two episodes before it, I think. Right, right, right. So this little storyline is called Colden Haven. So uh, on a couple occasions, this is a social media story and a, a kind of ARG where you read through the tweets to figure out kind of some secret information. The first time it was mentioned was in Roots. Uh, Dave and Vince were talking to uh, talking to Nathan about it. And actually the first tweets for the Colden Haven storyline on Twitter dropped the day before Roots' release. So Roots came out, was aired August 12th, 2011, and the tweet started on the 11th. August 11th, 2011. So that's where they began. Uh, we're going to read you the tweets. So we're going to go through the whole story. So you have a kind of, if you don't want to go find it, where I found the transcript and we'll link it in the uh, notes. It's at a website called havenpubliclibrary.wikifoundry.com. So this is a cool little website that is designed to look like a like Haven Public Library, which is really interesting. And they've got these kind of, you know, some information about characters, episodes, et cetera. And they've got these these bonus stories more organized. So we've got transcripts of the Twitter story for Colden Haven and some other ones that we'll cover later in the podcast. Let's we're gonna go through this. Uh, there's kind of three Twitter accounts that play into this. There's at Vince Haven, at Dave Haven, and at Cold in Haven. So those are the three Twitter accounts we're gonna read. We're going to read them uh, to you. We'll kind of each take a character. Who do you want? Do you want Dave or you want Vince? Who do you like more? Oh, I thought you're going to make me be Dave because I'm bald like Dave. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'll yeah. let you pickle yeah. you. All. I guess our hair, you know, you're bald. I got the longer hair. So it, it kind of it kind of makes sense. But really you're like an inch, you're like an inch, inch and a half taller than me. Somebody, you know, Vince is way taller than Dave. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, personality-wise, uh, I don't think I'm that Davish, but I guess I I'm more Davis. <laughs> I'm more Davish than you are. Yeah, you know, I've watched more episodes of Blue Bloods, like uh, Dave. And uh, how much do you shop at Target? I guess is the question. I bet I shop more at Target than you do. So you do because it's a pain. Uh, the closest Target to me stinks because it's a super old one, and then the one I like to go to, the freeway's under construction, so it's right. brutal. It's just brutal to get there. All right, so. so pick who you want. Do you want Dave or Vince? Uh, I'll do Dave since uh, okay. Dave kind of approaches this as being not very familiar with with the tweeter. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, and also to clarify, we'll go through the dates. But the story ran uh, from August 12th, start uh, sorry, August 11th on Twitter, all the way to September 30th, which was two days before the finale, Sins of the Father. So we're going to go a little beyond the next episode. But uh, as far as I've read, it doesn't, it's not spoiling stuff like that. It's kind of its own little story, a little uh, bonus mini-sode, if you will. And a, a cool web experiment, I think, 
to try this like new form of storytelling through social media. All right, so we'll start with the tweets on August 11th, 2011. We're not going to go through the times. We're just going to kind of read them. So uh, when you hear my voice, I'm Dave. I'm sorry, I'm Vince. Whoa, I'm Vince. He's Dave. And then uh, I'll read the Cold and Haven ones when they come up. Works for me. Okay, cool. So uh, our first tweet is from Dave. And once again, we won't say our names or who we're. Okay, so August 11th, 2011. Our first, uh, why don't you start us off with the first tweet. It's from Dave. At Vince Haven. Now try it. Use the hashtag, hashtag Haven News. We're trying to draw attention to the paper here. At Dave, is this thing on? Hello, testing, hashtag Haven News. At Vince, the real test is going to be if you can find anything useful to say. It might be a first. Now follow me, hashtag Haven News. At Vince, for the love of, never mind, I'll show you, hashtag Haven News. When Dave said, quote, follow me, I thought we were getting lunch. This Twitter is complicated, hashtag Haven News. At Vince, it's tweeting, Vince. The only twit involved here is you. Now get back to work. And that's it for the 11th on the 12th. At Vince, wait a minute. How did you get more followers than me? Hashtag Haven News. At Dave, charm, tact, civility. You should try it sometime. Hashtag Haven News. At Vince, you're a piece of work. Vince, hashtag Haven News. At Dave, let's make this interesting. 100 bucks says I have more followers than you in five weeks. Hashtag Haven News. At Vince, 100 bucks. That's it? How about loser runs naked through hashtag Haven? Hashtag Haven News. At Dave, as long as I don't have to watch you do it, you're on. Hashtag Haven News. At Vince, you're on. Hashtag Haven News. At Dave, I made some posters. You're going to lose. Hashtag Haven News. At Vince, great idea, Vince, because posters work on the internet. Good luck with that. Hashtag Haven News. And here we're going to drop the hashtag Haven News because every one of them has it. If there's any new hashtags, we'll mention that, but... Uh, just so you guys know, just so all the listeners know, every one of these tweets has hashtag Haven News. So we're just going to cut that out. We're just going to stop saying that now for you. Right. It's getting, uh, it's a little redundant <laughs> as much as I enjoy saying it. Okay. So at Dave, I'm after real people. At Vince, I'm sure your friends are already signed up. Both of them. At Dave, you snooze, you lose, naked boy. And then we get a new tweet from Colden. This one's from Colden Haven. At Dave, at Vince. Is this Vince and Dave from the Herald? I need help. At Colden Haven, at Vince Haven. What's wrong? At this point, we're going to drop saying at whatever. I just clarify when I'm saying Colden, when I'm Colden Haven and when I'm Vince. So I'll just make sure we say that, but we'll drop the ats because, you know, just so you guys know, there's always saying these are the only three players talking to each other now that we've got at Colden Haven on this. So Colden Haven says, there's crazy stuff going on in my house. Vince says, what do you mean by crazy? Quote. Dave says, call the cops. Vince says, you there? Yes, that's what you call a tweet and run, LOL. Cranks everywhere. From Vince. Why did you call me LOL? Vince, you're hopeless. Go get dressed for the wedding. It's not a wedding. It's a rehearsal, Vince says. Vince, good. You can rehearse losing. So... That was clearly about the rehearsal, the wedding rehearsal from Roots, right? That they're planning to going. So that's when that's when we first hear about it is in that episode, right? On TV. Right. Exactly. Okay. So those are the end of the tweets for that day on August 14th. Vince says, what do you mean verify? Did they come and investigate us? Dave says, why don't you call them and find out? They can verify you're a techno nitwit. 
they aren't the FBI. Seems they're messing around on that one. On August 15th, Vince tweets, Newsflash, America's favorite banana, the Cavendish, is slowly going extinct. What will we do without bananas? Dave tweets, Newsflash, America's favorite banana is going extinct. Newsflash, no one cares, Vince. Vince says, I thought it was Chiquita. Hashtag Haven News. That's a brand. The Cavendish is a species, the second big one to go. So it seems in this tweet... So on this next tweet from Vince, it seems that they're responding to real people. So uh, Vince tweets at the person, Kim Smile 68, and then quotes what they had tweeted at him. So Kim Smile 68 tweets, I thought it was Chiquita, hashtag Haven News. Vince responds, that's a brand. The Cavendish is a species, the second big one to go. Vince then responds to another user named Ram3 Umpton. Yeah, Ram3 Upton uh, at Vince asking why, what is happening to them? Vince responds, fungus, the gross Michael or gross Michelle. I'm not sure. Gross Michael used to be the big banana. It went extinct in the 50s. Uh, And Dave uh, tweets to uh, Haven News and Vince. Thank you, Vince, for the latest tropical fruit update. We're all riveted. Vince says, uh, (laughs) we were all riveted. People care about little things. That's how I'm going to win. Just watch. Uh, Smile, winky face. Colden Haven then tweets at both of them. Are you there? I'm afraid. And uh, Dave tweets back to Colden Haven and uh, Vince. Are you there? I'm afraid. Oh, no, no, no. That's just like quoting what the last one said. So if you oh. want to read the last. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's a little confusing, the format. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. So so Dave tweets, uh, you're back. What's the problem? Colden Haven responds, this is my problem. And uh, it's a link to a picture. So if you're here on Haven Public Library, uh, if you if you don't like go to it, uh, the tweet links to a photo. Okay, so they link to a picture that it just looks like something boiling in a pot. I'm not sure what it is. It almost looks like just some yellow pus or something. I'm not quite sure what's in the pot, but it's a picture. Haven Public Library has it has a has a little picture of it. It's not too big, but that's uh, there's a. They also have a album in their photos tab that you might be able to see a bigger picture of. Dave tweets, "Get off Twitter and call me." Yeah, Colden Haven says, just tell me what's going on. Vince says, maybe you should check your AC's thermostat, Colden Haven. Looks it's looks like it's set a little low. Dave tweets, if you're upset about something happening at your house, call the police. They'll be happy to help you. Vince says, Dave's right. Call Audrey and Nathan, okay? Dave tweets, are you there? And that's the end of that day on August 17th. Vince tweets out, the Sea Dogs beat the Clippers 4-2 in a makeup for the game called on account of lightning. Just as electrifying. Hi-ho. Hashtag Haven News. Dave tweets, a reminder to parents that Officer Parker of the HBD will be talking at the elementary school next Tuesday. Expect a rest, smiley face. Oh, whoa, whoa. That smiley face is winking. It's a winky face. But yeah, so this one's clearly tying into Sparks and Recreation with the baseball game and uh, alluding to what's going to happen on Audrey Parker's day off. Hi, ho, Sea Dogs. All right. So on August 18th, 2011, Vince says, we'd like to welcome Haven's Joe. We'd like to on August 18th, Vince tweets out, we'd like to welcome Haven Joe's bakery to town. Good luck, Joe. You're in a crawler business than most. Dave tweets. Very punny, Vince. Or should I say half-baked? Colden Haven tweets, I've been waiting for you. Are you there? Colden Haven tweets again, saying it happened again. There's a new photo. And this one looks like a six-pack of 
of uh, beer. It's super pixelated, so I'm just going to assume it's Haven Pale Ale. But it almost looks like stuff is frozen or broken. Like maybe the top of the bottle froze and broke over or something is what it looks like. It's kind of hard. Oh, and then here we go. Vince's tweet will explain exactly what's going on. Vince tweets, your beer froze, huh? Send your address. I know a guy does refrigerators named Dwight. He'll treat you right. Colden Haven tweets back, we can't help you if you won't tell us who you are. Colden Haven also tweets, that's what you're going to tell me, right? Dave tweets, tell us who you are if you want help. And then uh, Dave tweets again, you have to reveal yourself eventually if you want them to help. Thank you. Vince tweets, I'm not sure what the problem is. Cold beer is a solution, not a problem. Dave tweets, you still there, cold? Vince tweets, this cold person is getting frustrating. Cold and Haven tweets, you don't understand. I can't do this now. Uh, on August 19th is when the episode Audrey Parker's Day Off comes comes out. So that's when we see the backboard uh, that had the information. And then we move to August 22nd, right? Right. Where uh, Dave starts out the tweeting with, made my own Clamato juice for the first time last night. Vince tweets, watching Dave juice a clam. Oh, my God. Dave tweets, if you want a good Bloody Mary, you have to juice a few clams. Vince tweets, Dave, clam and juice are not words that belong together. That's the end of that day. We go to August 26, 2011. Colden Haven tweets, I'm afraid things keep freezing. Look. And uh, it's a picture of a hand kind of touching a window, and the window looks frozen. Maybe it's like a body of water. Something's frozen. The hand's touching it. Uh, I think it's a window. I'm okay. pretty sure it's a window. Vince tweets back, Colden Haven, you're just, go- you're just going Photoshopping as far as I can tell. I don't know what you want from us. Colden Haven tweets back, it's not a trick. I woke up and my room was covered in ice this morning. Vince responds, we get all kinds of wacko stories reported to us. I know a crank when I see one, or rather don't. Cranks hide. Colden Haven responds, I've heard what happens to people who go public with their problems. How can you ask me to do that? Vince says, sorry, Dave. Vince says, (laughs) your problem is either psychological or someone is trying to gaslight you. Either way, the police can help. Colden Haven responds, how can I convince you I have a real problem? How do I get you to help me? Vince responds, A reminder, we're expecting higher than normal tides. Careful around the water this week. I don't want to lose any followers. Winky face. Colden Haven responds, I'll find a way to get through to you. Dave responds, tweets back, I taught Duke how to juice a clam, so stay dry at the goal with me. He's running a special on Caesar cocktails, half off. Wow, Dave's just not paying attention to this exchange. (laughs) (laughs) No, he is not. And I've come to swallow this cocktail, not to praise it. You'll praise this one and the price. And Smile, wink face. Yeah, that one was tweeted at RGDJ. So these ones, Dave's talking to real people again. And then Dave is uh, texting uh, another uh, real person. My favorite with polar ice vodka and lots of spice, but it's spelled Caesar. I'll fire my proofreader. And that one was at our honey baby. And then Dave tweets again. This one's at uh, Windy Jider. And he says, what is your favorite drink? Caesars today, Mai Tais not long ago. May have to bring back the rusty nail soon. (laughs) I dig the reference. All right. And then uh, the Tides That Bind first airs during this exchange. And then August 30th, Dave is responding to real people again. He responds to at John Brute. This is how I'll win. At uh, Court Astrophex 
I can't even pronounce that person. Cord Astrofex. Cord Astrofex. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You're you're my fave. So so my ad counts as two for you. Happy face. Thank you. So I think that was Court Astrofex tweeting at Dave or John, like someone else was saying, you're my fave. So my ad counts for, you know, because they're still doing their competition. And then Vince responds to that one saying, she'll come around. Uh, And then Vince next says, couldn't sleep last night. Was thinking about how the Earth's magnetic poles are due to flip any time now. That'll be a mess. Dave tweets, Vince, your trivia is trivial. Vince responds, knowledge is power, and it seems trivia is popular. Call me when you pass my total. So Vince seems to be in the lead on Twitter followers. I would expect it. (laughs) We move to September 2nd, 2011. Colden Haven tweets at them, enough playing. I need your help, and I know you can help me because you know things. Well, and we know from the show they don't say shit. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Colden (laughs) Haven, you're lucky they're even uh, giving you anything. And here we go. Vince says, of course we know things. I know about the planets. At Dave thinks he knows everything else. Parentheses, he doesn't. And then Dave tweets, my brother's right for a change. We know only what two small town newspapermen need to know. Sorry we can't help you. Uh, This exchange uh, happens on the same day friend or foe aired. So we're now through friend or foe. We move to September 8th. Vince tweets out, the Hawaiian state fish is the, I'm not going to say it. It's pronounced, I'm also not going to go through it, but he basically breaks down how to pronounce this fish. You're not going to say humu humu nuku nuku apu a You did it perfectly. So what does Dave say? <laughs> Dave, Dave says, thanks, Vince. The people of Maine needed to know. Vince says, I admire a fish with a name bigger than it is. And uh, Dave replies, I admire a fish on a plate that's bigger than it is. Yeah. And Dave tweets to uh, James JR 55, who James Jr. James Jr. (laughs) All right. You don't know how to say that. (laughs) That's another Hawaiian fish. No, 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 no. The the next fish. Yeah. So, uh, so apparently James uh, Jr. 55 said the lao wule wule nuka nuka oi oi. AKA the long nose uh, butterfly fish has a longer name. And then Dave says, but can Dave eat it? <laughs> That's the end of that day. Uh, on September 9th, Dave tweets out responding to people again. Right. And he's responding to uh, uh, tears tag or yeah, whatever. Tears, tears tag. Yeah. I prefer the English name lunch. A man after my own heart. Fish were made to be eaten, not pronounced. Vince responds to, oh, I thought they said Kelvin Benjamin. I was like, we got some jokes and for this one and about eating. Uh, he, uh, Vince responds to Kevin J. Bell, 001, uh, who said, just watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Dave, uh, uh, Vince is tweeting at Dave, should a lot of naked time coming when he loses. I don't know what they're talking about there. Uh, that one. Oh, that's took, the that's the competition about who has the less followers has to run naked through Haven. No, no, no. I know. I just don't understand what Sarah forgetting Sarah Marshall has to do with it. Uh, that one was all taking place during the episode lockdown. So while they were fighting for their lives in the police station, Vince and Dave were talking about forgetting Sarah Marshall back at home. Uh, we moved to September fifteenth. Vince says, after thirty-seven years of loyal service, our two-slice Toastmaster finally gave up the ghost today. Anybody got a recommendation? And Dave said, I thought Louie was fixing it, a.k.a. Louie from Love Machine. 
Uh, Vince says, Louis says he's not taking on any new machines, whatever that means. Havenites, any help? My muffins need toasting. Vince then also responds to at Mary the Geek. I think you would need, I think she said, I think you need wives to do all the cooking for you. Uh, Vince said, I don't, I didn't know wives still did that. And then Dave tweets to Mary the Geek. Oh my God. That's an offer? <laughs> Smile, winky face. Now no, that Mary. sounds like Dave. Mary, That's get Dave. out of there. <laughs> you have no idea what you're like saying. So we move off that day. We move to September 16th. Uh, only one tweet. Vince responds to TV Goddess 47. Careful what you wish for. In Haven, the law of unintended consequences is always lurking. Stay tuned. Uh, that was during Who, What, Where, Wendigo. So the next couple of tweets are going to happen after. On September 23rd, Vince responds to Bailey4142. We've had our hands full at the Haven Herald recently, though it's always nice to hear you've been missed a bit. And then Dave tweets, We'd be less busy if some of the Herald staff weren't so interested in making news, not just reporting it. Vince responds, we're all doing our part to keep Haven wonderful, something I try to remember about my brother. But then Colden Haven finally resurfaces, saying, I've been waiting for you two to resurface. What a coincidence. But, uh, I didn't read the sentence before I said it. But <laughs> I've been waiting for you two to resurface. I found an old newspaper. Do you remember Mara Kopf? Vince says, no. Are you all right? And then Dave tweets uh, at Cold, Colden Haven, why don't you call us? Colden Haven responds to them, Mara Kopf, 1958, you were there. Do you remember what happened? Vince says, are you related to Mara Kopf, CIH? Why are you asking about her? CIH now is short for Colden Haven is the acronym. Right. And Dave tweets to, to them, 1958 was a very, very long time ago. What do you expect us to remember about what happened, uh, CIH? Colden Haven responds, everything I need to know. Vince then responds, there are places we have to be right now. If you won't call, your questions about Marakov have to wait. That was the end of that exchange that took place uh, during the next episode, uh, Business as Usual. Then we have September 24th. Colden Haven just uh, tweets at them, are you guys there? But they never respond. On September 27th, Colden Haven tweets at them again. April 17th, 1958, what happened? I want the truth about Marakov. And Dave tweets back, You've done nothing to earn the truth for me. Vince tweets, why is it always about earning it with you, Dave? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm guessing this earn it is like the the weekend's version of earn it from the 50 Shades of Grey soundtrack. Uh, Cold and Haven tweets back, whatever happened to Mara Kopf is happening to me. Vince responds, I remember what happened. Her house caught fire. Colden Haven says her house caught fire. It was more than that. The fire department's hoses froze solid. And then Dave tweets back, this is not the place for this conversation. Colden Haven responds, why not? What are you hiding? Vince responds, there's nothing to hide about the cop fire. Yes, we were there. Colden Haven says, and you saved her life. Vince responds, it's more complicated than that, CIH. Colden Haven says, there's a picture of you care. Of, there's a picture of you carrying her, Vince. Vince responds, "I carried Mara out of the house. Dave figured out how to thaw the hoses and save the house. That's all." Colden Haven responds, "You were there. Vince was there, but who was Sarah? Why was she there?" Vince responds, "Vince, get off the Twitter box and call me now." That's kind of weird. 
That, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of that, odd. That must be Dave. I think Dave must have said that. Dave, this maybe this is mixed up. Maybe Dave said, Vince, get off the Twitter box and call me now. Um, or maybe someone else is tweeting at him. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll figure out more. Colden Haven then responds, that's it. You won't tell me anything. Vince responds, I'll see you at home, Dave. We have a problem. Vince then responds, and stop hacking. So what we must have seen is Dave get into Vince's Twitter account to tweet uh, Dave must have stopped tweeting like publicly and broke into Vince's Twitter and tweeted at himself to tell Vince to stop. Colden Haven finishes off with, I'm not giving up. And that's the end of that exchange. On September 29th, Colden Haven tweets at both of them, why won't you talk to me? Vince responds, why have you been lying to us? Colden Haven responds, why do you think I've been lying to you? You've seen what happened to me before, to Mara Kopf. Vince says, yes, I saw Markov lived through a freak temperature inversion in the spring of 1958. Colden Haven says, freak, a freak temperature inversion? That's the best explanation you could come up with? Sorry, I think Vince has dropped out of the story completely. <laughs> you mean Dave? Yeah, sorry, Dave, Dave. Uh, Vince says, it was the only explanation you read all about in our archives when you interned here. Oh, Vince says, Colden Haven, you don't live in Hawaii at all. You're really Stephanie McCann, our old intern, aren't you? Oh. Colden Haven says, busted, LOL. How'd you figure it out? Vince says, we never ran the picture of me carrying Mara from the fire. It had to be someone who's seen our archives. Colden Haven says, guess my notes from back then weren't so great, huh? Vince responds, Stephanie, what was this all about? Why did you do this? It's been very upsetting to both of us. Colden Haven says, I didn't mean to upset you guys. I love you. I saw you on Twitter and thought it would be a fun prank. Colden Haven also says, you guys were always into researching tall tales. I thought a mystery would be fun for you too. Vince says, it hasn't been a good time for jokes around here, Stephanie. Colden Haven, I'm going to call her Stephanie from now on. Stephanie says, I'm sorry. Are you mad? Is Dave? Vince says, I don't know what Dave is right now. Colden, uh, Stephanie says, I shouldn't have mentioned Sarah. Dave was always so touchy about her. Vince says, Dave got over him and Sarah long ago, Stephanie. Stephanie says, maybe, but did she ever get over you and Sarah? <gasps> Vince says, water under the bridge now, forget about it. Stephanie says, can I come and visit you guys sometimes? I knitted a scarf for Dave. Vince says, you knitted a Dave a scarf? That's sweet. Why? Stephanie says, you won the contest. Dave will be cold running naked through Haven. Vince responds, that is another picture I won't be running. See you, Steph. That was on September. And then September 30th is when the finale comes and the story is concluded. That's some interesting stuff that was uh, in there. So good old uh, Stephanie. Stephanie is uh, from the book, The Colorado Kid. And you can know more about Stephanie McCann and The Colorado Kid if you check out our Patreon, our first ever Patreon episode for Trouble with Extra Syrup talks all about Stephanie and our thoughts on her as a character. You can kind of find out. So now this kind of puts her in the main canon of uh, Haven, even though she was just previously only in the book, which is pretty interesting. It's kind of cool that Stephanie, these events with Stephanie actually, maybe not obviously the direct events because the Colorado kid is a completely different case in the TV show, but a version of Stephanie existed. Yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty cool that that's what this all turned out to be. And uh, apologize for our listeners for some of the clunkiness, but, you know, reading Twitter <laughs> can be uh, challenging reading tweets. 
Yeah, old tweets and a transcript uh, is kind of a funny format. I mean, it's an interesting story and it's hard to keep up, but this gives us information about some woman named Sarah that Dave and Vince had ties to. Uh, and, you know, both of them were with or one was in love with the other. And then we get some uh, some uh, little peek under the curtain about a character named Mara who might be important. Well, what did you think? Did you think this is cool? Was it worth it? Uh, it was neat. I mean, and uh, I like them, you know, mentioning, you know, Stephanie. I like them mentioning uh, Sarah. And uh, that was uh, pretty pretty cool and we'll, we'll learn a lot more about sarah yeah i think it's cool to do a, a multimedia story as we kind of go further we'll take a look into a couple of the things the creators of haven do they got a couple comic books and a couple web series and another kind of thing like this later on so i like that they try to do these multimedia projects to give a little bit even though it doesn't give too much it's nice little teases into the story and it's a pretty big, a cool tip of the hat to Colorado kid fans for the Stephanie reveal. We'll say Stephanie kind of faking the whole thing is a little annoying, but the reveal of it and the information you get from it, although pretty fucked up, you know, right? Like bringing up all those kind of secrets of their past, like uh, I, the way it, what it implies is that Sarah was with Dave and then she got this Sarah woman got with Vince or something like that. You know, and bringing that up just so casually in a tweet just to fuck with them is like a little, uh, right, a little barbed. I don't know if I would like, I would enjoy that if I was like a friend. I'd be like, oh, hey, hey, this sensitive history. And the three of them, uh, you know, helped save Marikoff when her house was on fire. Oh, so with Sarah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's happened in 1958, which is what 27 years before 1983, something like that. What? Yeah. Something what? like that. So what's going on at, during this time period? Who might You'll Sarah have to, be? You might have I don't to know. just keep listening to our podcast to find out. <laughs> you want answers, we got answers. But it all comes in due time. Right. Well, that's the end of the episode. Uh, you can uncover more Secrets of Haven with us. Uh, every Monday, trouble drops at 5 a.m. just in time on the Pacific Coast. So that's just in time for you to start driving to work. Make sure you listen to. Make sure you download or review on wherever you listen to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, etc. If you want to contact us, the easiest way is at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. We also have a website that's troubledpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we don't have any interesting stories like that, although we're a little inspired. We're at Haven's Trouble. That's a capital H and a capital T for Haven-related stuff. We also have a Patreon. We just mentioned it. Uh, you can look us up. We're going to have a link in the show notes as well, but you can look us up at uh, Troubled. We have our we have our three tiers. The first one is uh, Haven Tourist. Once again, you get stuff like production documents, a fan shout out, which we have a fan shout out to do. Uh, we want to give our fan shout out to Mandy for joining uh, our $5 tier, which I'll explain what you get in that in a second. All hail Mandy joining <laughs> the crew. Another one on welcome, the crew. Welcome to the team. Uh, welcome to the team. You got your wrestling name. We're coming up. Uh, the Wu-Tang nickname will be out very soon. Uh, but they are getting to enjoy production documents. They got those uh, Mad Libs. Remember when we did the Mad Libs? They got their wrestling nickname. They got their fan shout out. Now, if you go up to the $3 tier, you get Trouble with Extra Syrup. That's our Patreon series. You get bonus episodes that we do monthly. We are doing the 
hard case crime novel later by Stephen King that just came out this year. So it's fresh off the press, the, the hard crime press. Uh, but we'll be talking about that this month. Lastly, our $5 tier is Haven's Troubled. You get the director's cuts episodes. That's just extra stuff that we cut out of the episodes. You get to hear more tangents if you want. We can also set up a Zoom call or Q&A uh, from that tier. That's it for me. Uh, but we'll be back on Monday with more episodes. I am your host, Alex French. And this is Rich French. And I want to... Thank you for listening to us and joining us on another trip back to Haven. I would hope uh, everyone would uh, like to, who hasn't checked out our Patreon, I think it's worth checking out, but most importantly, we'd love to hear from you. So if you would send us a tweet, send us an email, let us know if you disagree with our takes, let us know if you think we're spot on, let us know things we might've missed that you caught that you, that we could share for other, other fans when we do it. We'd love to interact with you. So we appreciate that. We appreciate you be safe and please remember never let your troubles get you down.